0: Hey, it's Ron McLean. Welcome to Hockey Talk on the Rock. With Laura and Keith.
1: It's interesting.
0: So let's back up a second.
1: He played absolutely out of his mind.
0: It now. made no sense to me. And now, here are your hosts. All right, here we go. We are back with Hockey Talk on the Rock, episode number 100. Woo! The center of the mark. It's been a break. It's been a minute. <laughs> We've had some time apart. It's tough with the time difference between Italy and Salt Spring Island, but here we are <laughs> doing our thing. So today is Monday, March 13th in BC, and I'm sure it's also March, Monday, March 13th in Italy.
1: It is still, yeah. A few more hours.
0: <laughs> We're going <laughs> to catch up on the trade deadline week and some of the standing stuff, some local Canuck stuff, and uh, anything else we can really think about. So you want to start it off?
1: Uh, who are we starting? Trades? Canucks?
0: Uh, let, let's start with just the first one that kicked it off wasn't trade deadline week, but let's talk about the Horvat-Beauvillier stats just to, for a minute here. Sure. Just to keep it local. And I know, like we've talked about before, Beauvilliers playing largely with Patterson, but man, it's starting to feel like they sold high on Horvat at the right time.
1: Agree so, okay, I, I think that my opinion is different than a lot of Canucks fans on this one, because I think that as soon as I saw that Beauvillier was included in that deal, I was like, he's going to do better in Vancouver than in New York because you knew he was going to get an opportunity to play with better players um, and also in a more offensive system. So I'm not surprised he's doing better here, but I don't I think it's too simple to say they sold high on Horvat just because of the difference in position between center and wing, and the fact that Horvat is now basically playing without Barzal in New York, and
0: yeah, Barzal injury definitely plays a factor. But aren't those guys supposed to both be centermen anyways?
1: Uh, like Horvat and Barzal, yeah, but they were playing together. Like uh, Barzal was playing on the wing with yeah. him and they looked like they had very good chemistry like the two of them in the games that they played together looked really good mm-hmm. I think Bart, like Bavilia is fine he's a decent player but if he's not playing with Pedersen he's not putting up those points like I just I, I, you know it's a good fit it's nice but Pedersen is like if the team was in a better position and there wasn't a player called McDavid in the league <laughs> I think that Pedersen is putting up like an MVP caliber season right now. Like he's, he's on top of his game. And I mean, Hughes as well, like the two of them are just so much better than everyone else collectively on the Canucks. Maybe like you can argue and Kuzmenko here or there, like you can argue there's good pieces, but I, I really think a lot of the the good that's happening for other players are coming from Pedersen and Hughes.
0: Yes, I will agree with you with everything you've said, but with the caveat that there have been other players who have been like middle six forwards who have had opportunity, long opportunities to play with Pedersen and they have not fit the way. Sure, that-
1: But when that's happened, has Pedersen been playing to this level that he's been playing?
0: Oh, for sure. He's playing the best that he has been, but it's yeah. not like he was coached before either.
1: No, no, I'm not saying that he was, but I don't think that, like I think this season is so much more different than the rest of his career, and like even if you look at Horvat, right? Like Horvat playing on the power play with Pedersen did really help his numbers. Yeah. Um, I I just yeah I think the Canucks made I still like I'll stick by I think the Canucks made the right move selling Horvat. But if you're asking me who would I rather have on my team Horvat or Boville? It's Horvat like a hundred percent of the time.
0: Oh I know, but that's not the. That's not the
1: question. Like, That's right, how it, I was taking it.
0: <laughs> yeah, how how by like, who would you rather have, the package they got or Horvat? You know,
1: probably still Horvat now given the next move, but we can so? get into that later.
0: But okay. honestly,
1: neither of them. I'd rather have picks.
0: Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, like, it's, it's like, and we'll we'll get to the Islanders more in a little bit here, yeah. but. Uh, you know, just brass tacks on the on the stats here, and and you're right, Barzell going down probably hurt Horvat, but he's got five goals, nine points and sixteen games since the trade.
1: Yeah, so
0: it's obviously way down from what he was tracking with the Canucks, and sure, and he did what he what every player wants to do, and that's have a career yeah. year in in a contract year. Uh, he got all the money, um, <laughs> so maybe he'll bounce back, but I don't think I don't think any point during his tenure with the islanders barzell healthy or not i don't think he's going to track on those same numbers that he was having before no he got.
1: i agree with you there but i also don't think a full season of Boville is going to track on the numbers that he's putting up right now
0: in oh, vancouver
1: no. with patterson <laughs> like
0: and hopefully too because he's been a good fit but like then they're gonna have to pay him too much money and they probably will and that's not good
1: <laughs> yeah no i know i i, I get so- what you're trying to say but i think people oversimplify it and yeah. I think they just look at the scoring and like not necessarily the positional need, because I mean, you also have to consider the fact that again, a center is worth a lot more than a wing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways. Yeah. Final note to Bavillier, six goals, 13 points in his 16 games with Connect. So it's yeah. been, been nice. It's been, a good uh, fit. Yeah, it's been a good fit is really what it comes down to. So that's all we've got on that. It's nice to reflect on that. Um, Bavillier looked noticeable when we went and saw them. Nice uh yeah it was good it was all right and from there uh well I mean to try and stay on sort of the same trajectory you want to stay with Canucks or you want to talk Islanders and wildcard race
1: let's um maybe let's go Islanders because we can go back to the Canucks
0: sure okay so uh as everyone knows by now the pick that the Canucks got in that Horvat trade has been traded to the Red Wings so, I think most people that are in the Canucks fan base are either A, pissed, or B, pissed and really rooting for the Islanders to do well. So, that's <laughs> not as good as it could have been. Yeah. Um, so, as we speak, they find themselves in the second wild card spot. And yeah. I mean, that race is kind of flattening out a little bit. Like, you can argue that Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, Washington are still all in it, but it really seems like the last three wild card spots come down to Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and Florida.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. And I think if I was gonna bet money, I think it stays as it is. Like maybe Pittsburgh and and the Islanders flip, I don't know. But I think that those teams will be the teams that make it, and I don't think Florida's gonna make it.
0: And it's tough this time of year to gain even you know four or five six points. Like Florida's playing well; they're six three and one in their last ten. But so are the Islanders, and the Pittsburgh is seven two and one in their last ten. So.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you look at like Ottawa, they came into Vancouver on Saturday, and if they wanted to to make the playoffs, they basically needed to win both the game against the Canucks, and then the next night against Calgary, and they lose both, and now they're essentially done. Like, that's how quick it changes, right?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, there's 16 games left in their season, there's 14 games left in the Islanders season, it's a lot of room, one team could tumble quite a bit, but odds are. Like we've even talked about before in like November when a team has more than four points out, they usually don't make it. So yeah.
1: Sorokin, if I'm picking a team to make it, I'm probably picking the team he plays on over the team with Bobrovsky. Like it's just that for me. Um, But again, like Barzell is out. Um, Who knows when he'll be back, but they seem to be somewhat staying afloat without him right now. So
0: yeah, and and yeah. agree or disagree? You're hoping the Islanders make it.
1: I I'm hoping that Bo Horvat gets to play playoff games, and I've been hoping that since the Canucks got that pick.
0: Yeah, like and I'd if like they do, to see it do well. if they do make it, they'll be that means their pick is going to be sixteen or higher in the first round. Yeah, and it won't transfer to next year. No, so that would be best case scenario from the Horvat trade scenario. I think. Yes. Yeah because they flipped it so uh yeah the the east is fascinating like boston's gonna win everything like the president's trophy all that um toronto and tampa bay are still destined to play each other
1: but yeah new World, new
0: Jersey, they made a big move at the trade deadline they're tied with carolina all of a sudden yeah for the metro so we might not see the new york um mm-hmm. new Jersey first round and so, everything else is is just it's just that wild card race, and, like you say, other teams could crawl in, but Florida is kind of the one who has the best shot to crawl in. Yeah. you never know uh in the West, it's kind of spread out a little more in the last week. like I looked earlier in the week, and there was I think five points between the top team in the West and like the last wild card spot, yeah, and now it's ten, so it's a little more spread out. but
1: the West know, is you- insane though because, like. I have honestly, like, okay, Colorado is a good team. Obviously, they won the Stanley Cup last year. But, like, they're not as good as they were last year. Part of that's from injuries, but also, like, some roster changes. I don't know who I'd pick to come out of the West. I have so many problems thinking about it. (laughs) Like, they're just teams that have so many issues, and all of them seem to have issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, my gut right now would be picking L.A.
1: I could uh, see L.A., um, but I could also see them losing in the first round to Edmonton if that's who they play. Like last year, I can see maybe a world if Jonathan Quick plays well for Vegas where they come out of it. I can see a world maybe with Dallas, but they seem to be so inconsistent. Um, Like, yeah, I don't know.
0: So, I mean, it seems like everyone is pretty comfortable in the West, other than Winnipeg, Seattle could slide down. Edmonton, Colorado could slide down. But even that being said, like Colorado being the last wildcard spot, they're only at five on Nashville and Calgary.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Which is like we talked about in the East, like five points at this point in the season is hard to make up. Do Do you see either Calgary or Nashville making it?
1: I like there was a point in the season where I would have told you I was hundred percent confident that Calgary would figure it out and they'd make it, but they they just lose games they're not meant to lose, and yeah. when teams do that, it's they never make the playoffs. That's like the number one tell all that the team's not there, and Nashville I think Nashville was very smart at the deadline and they sold off some pieces, um, I just don't think they have enough but I could see them more than Calgary getting in only because they seem to be playing kind of above their, their weight class, whereas Calgary is playing below.
0: Yeah. I mean, I read, or yeah, I think I read somewhere that like the the locker room in Nashville was pretty pissed about how the organization handled the deadline to a point that it kind of like lit a fire under them. Like I'm just looking, they're seven, two and one in the last 10 now. Yeah. And they, sold off on Niederreiter. They sold off on Eckholm. And who was the other one they sold off on? Tanner Janot?
1: Tanner Janot, yeah.
0: So Tanner Janot, whatever. He was having a, a down year big yeah. time. Get to that. Um, <laughs> the Ekholm trade, like, I think was really smart because they got a first-round pick and they got Tyson Berry and who seems to be able to take a little bit of the offensive pressure from the blue line, from Yossi off.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: so that hasn't been terrible for them. Um, but I don't think they have what it's going to take unless UC Soros wills them into the playoffs.
1: Okay. This is my other question for you in the West right now. Who's the best goalie?
0: Ooh. I mean, if you asked me two weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago, I probably would have said Hellebuck hands down. Yeah. But I feel like we're seeing fatigue as we get later in the season. Cause he's played so much. Um. Yeah, and like you can't. I don't know. Soros has been good all year. I just think that they had bad nights in front of them I, I might go Soros.
1: Yeah, I think I I I kind of agree with you. To me, there's three three options, which would be a Hellebuck, but as you say, he's, his play has gone downhill. Onger and Soros. Those are the three to me that are the best, but they're none of them are having outstanding seasons like they're all kind of I'd say average for them
0: Um, yeah and Ottinger was the other one I was looking at too yeah
1: but when you have a good goalie it does help (laughs) so (laughs) we'll see with Nashville but I I I don't think they do it I don't think they have the talent up front
0: No, and so staying on the standings a quick update on the Bedard sweeps. Since, <laughs> since Vancouver's all of a sudden seven two and one,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, talk it bump. They're twenty uh, fifth in the league, Why? and I'm, I know Philadelphia, Arizona, and Montreal are right there with them. Like it's not unbelievable to think they couldn't still finish in the bottom five, but like we've talked about before, their schedule to wrap up the season is pretty weak. Yeah, um, it doesn't mean that the teams that are at the bottom of the standings, can't take them for some points either, but the way they've been playing, yeah. um, especially with you know, there, there's a few players noticeably playing a lot better with Tocket's yeah. system in place, like JT Miller is back to playing his for old that. form and Besser, like I'm now officially back in the keep Besser camp because he's looked like he's been playing a lot better. Um, and that could just be his name's not in the trade rumor thing anymore or whatever. But yeah. You know, when it comes down to they have too many wingers and they need to trade somebody, I'm all for if they can move Garland without paying a price to move him. I'd be for that, but I don't want to see them move Besser anymore.
1: Yeah. We'll see. I, I like, I, again, I've always had a soft spot for Besser. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's what's best for him too. Like I, I go back and forth with maybe he he needs to get out of Vancouver and maybe it's just he's been here too long and the team has lost too much. But I agree with you, he is playing better with Tockett, and I I enjoy watching his game. I think it's when he's used effectively, he is a he's a very skilled, very useful player. The thing about moving Besser, right? The issue with it always was that the Canucks were gonna have to eat salary, and if you're eating salary on Besser, why are you moving him? Like
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: but I don't know if there's a market.
0: He, he's at what he's nearing 50 points on the year now, isn't yeah.
1: he? Yeah. He just hasn't scored many goals. Yeah. Um, but like, if you can move Garland, move Garland, but I don't know. I don't know what that price is. And it scares me to think about it, but I will say this briefly. Cause I know we'll get to the Canucks at the end, but I know that Alvin has spoken about how he's going to make the cap, the team cap complied in the summer and he's confident about it. I think the most logical thing that's going to happen is that after Tyler Myers' bonus gets paid, they're going to trade him to Arizona. Like a hundred percent, I say book it, because then his salary is one million or whatever, and he's a six million dollar cap hit. So yeah, and
0: they like no cap. Yeah, Um, I I I would buy on that. I would buy on that for sure. Um, I feel like I've never been more convinced in my life that they're going to buy OEL.
1: They're definitely buying out OEL.
0: Like, how can they not? Since he's been hurt seeing players like Breezeball and Wolan and (laughs) and they're not just playing as well as he did. Like, they're playing better than him, which is saying because they're not great, but he's... (laughs) And so, looking at the bio calculator, I don't have it in front of me, but, like, if they do it this offseason, next season it only burns them for, like, less than 200k on the cap, and then it's two seasons of pain at, like, 4 mil. And then after that, it's not terrible. Like, it does drag on for, like, seven years after that or something like that. But um it's it's not terrible. And it's like it's not a financial decision, I think. I think it's a it's a hockey decision that they have to make. Like get that body off the roster because he's just not helping the team.
1: Well I think too if they're serious about their plan to compete for the playoffs next season, which we'll get into later too, they they have to do it. Essentially like you have to move that player. He can't bring him back. And unless his injury becomes something that he can't come back from, which things, crazier things have happened on the Canucks. Um, I think you buy him up.
0: Yeah. And I mean, at this point I would say unlikely the injury thing, but you never know. And that would be like best case scenario, not for him. obviously, so, <laughs> Yeah. Know for the but t-
1: for the team, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. And then, you know, there's going to be a team like Arizona who might want to trade for that contract. If he's a guaranteed LTIR guy you know
1: can you imagine no <laughs> so depressing. Anyway.
0: yeah so there's all that um i guess we should probably talk a few trades for sure so the trade deadline really started on like the 23rd yeah uh, with the bruins who kind of sh- Made, shot their shot. They made another move that was big, too. Yep. But the, on the 23rd, they really kicked things off. We're trading a first, a second, a third, and Craig Smith's contract to Washington for uh, Dmitry Orlov and Hathaway. Hathaway, meh. Orlov seems to have fit in really well for them, um, which is scary because they've been just killing everybody.
1: So the thing about both of those players, and this was what someone else said, not me, someone smarter than me, but I agree with it, is that they both feel like Bruins. Like, they went and they got players that were Bruins, but not wearing the same jersey as the Bruins, basically, before. Because, like, they fit so well with that team. Even Hathaway, like, on any other team, I'd be like, whatever. But on the Bruins, I'm like, no, it makes sense. Like, he's a Bruin. And Orlov has suddenly turned into Bobby Orr. So, (laughs) I don't know. Like, there's a part of me that thinks that team it's just been too good all season and they're gonna get like the Tampa Bay treatment in the playoffs and maybe this is wishful thinking on my part but like we'll see what happens in the playoffs and we'll see what happens down the last part of the stretch here because it's, it's possible they start sitting you know they're they're better older players to get them rested up for the playoffs but if that works or if it doesn't work in hockey I don't know <laughs> um about the whole you know peaking too soon and building up towards the playoffs and all that so but I, I like those moves for Boston. I think they're very smart, especially when you consider like the price that um, Columbus wanted for Gavrikov, which was the team that like, that was the the defenseman that they were rumored to be in on before. And they essentially went out and got a better defenseman and a bottom six forward for the same price.
0: Yeah. And they paid a little extra to get rid of uh, Smith's contract, which was like four mil or something, but yeah. to make it fit, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, yeah. I think we both agree that was a big win for Boston on that one.
1: Yeah.
0: And and we'll go back to Washington on that because they kind of
1: <laughs> made some made, interesting
0: moves. Uh, yeah, they made a, a connect type move on that where they moved out. <laughs> um. I'm just going chronologically here. Yeah. And skipping minor ones, but the next big one for our market was the Canucks waited out the Rangers and yeah. got Vitaly Kravtsov, who was I think what was he 13th overall pick in. 2018 or
1: something like that yeah he might have even been higher than that he might have been 10th
0: all right so he was a high first round yeah. pick a number of years ago um they got him from the rangers for a seventh in 2026 and william lockwood who's just a grinding fourth liner He doesn't look like he'll ever be anything more than that and he was a very replaceable yep. grinding fourth liner um i was stoked about it right off the pop because i remember the world juniors that he played on a line with Pod and and they were dynamic for the Russians and I remember at that draft I think the Flyers maybe were picking 13 maybe that's what I'm thinking yeah 13. and uh, I I really wanted Krousevich to fall to them and the Rangers took him which was like a big yeah. thorn because I hate the Rangers of course. Uh, so great patience by Canucks management to wait the Rangers out who they knew were trying to free up cap to make moves we're gonna talk about. Uh, <laughs> And and has looked like a, a decent middle six forward. You know, he seems to have fit in well. He's played okay on the second power play unit. Oh. Uh, he seems to be enjoying being on a team with the, not only his buddy Podkolzin, but all of a sudden the contingent of Russians is like Kravtsov, Podkolzin, yeah. Kuzmenko. Uh, okay, I know we can get hurt, but he's there, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, the, nice. thing, like, the thing with Kravtsov, right, like the upside is there. Um, if he gets the opportunity to show it or if he's were if he works hard enough to show it like one or the two it's up to him the the only fear with him right is that he that's possible at the end of the season he goes back to Russia but if that happens whatever you gave up a seventh like three years from now doesn't really matter and and Lockwood I guess but it's completely like a, a free poker chip basically you don't know what you've got but he might turn out to be very good so
0: and, yeah. and just with, like with the Russians in Vancouver like I I would bet him staying versus him going at this point
1: I agree I, th- I think it was a safe bet for the for yeah. the Canucks and especially yeah. since the rumor was that the Rangers were asking for Hoglander for him the fact that they gave like it ended up being what it was to get him is is very good work by Alvin
0: totally totally um going up the list. Barbashev went to Vegas from St. Louis, who were sold, selling off like crazy. I think we already talked about the Tarasenko trade a little while back, yep. um, and they got back Zach Dean, who was Vegas's golden, I mean, not not golden, first round pick <laughs> last year. Is that right?
1: Or the year before? One of the two, but yeah,
0: a recent first rounder. So yeah. uh, decent price for St. Louis to get for Barbashev, who was a UFA. Um, I don't know. I would give the win Vegas just because they got the better player in the deal.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I liked a lot of what St. Louis did. Like I thought, I I think we can get to this when we talk about the Canucks later. But I think they're doing something that the Canucks should have done like five years ago, very very effectively.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. Um, so then we fast forward a couple of trades to the first real massive one here, where the Devils it was no secret they were the leader in the Timo Meyer sweepstakes, and they got him. And a handful of other players and a fifth round pick for the high end prospects and a couple fourth liners and a first and another first and a seven from San Jose. So this uh, one
1: is the one for me that I'm like, this is an absolute slam dunk for New Jersey. Um, yeah. The fact they didn't have to give up like any of their top, top prospects like Holtz, or um, like cues on defense or Nemeth Marist- on defense. Marist- Like, any of them, they didn't have to give up, and they got Meyer. Like, yeah, really big win.
0: Totally. And one of the players, just for a fun Canucks thing, was Muka Madulin, who I'm pretty sure was the first-round pick that Canucks traded to Tampa for J.T. Miller, who traded him to to New Jersey for Blake Coleman.
1: Yeah. It's going around.
0: So – For the people that were pissed off, they gave him first for Miller. Like, that was, what, three or four years ago? And, that like, he hasn't been an an NHL player yet, as far as I know.
1: No, but, I mean, remember, too, that that was the year. It was a 2020 pick, and he's a defenseman. Yeah. So, I don't think that it's unusual that he hasn't made it to the NHL yet. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, but, anyways, I guess the takeaway is a couple – high prospects for San Jose and two first round picks Yeah, uh, for a player that they probably were smart to move in terms of like, they're doing a rebuild and it's obvious they're doing a rebuild.
1: Yeah. They, they sold high on him. Uh, I don't know if they sold high on him. They sold on him <laughs> because to me, I think you could have gone in more. He, he is like a 40 goal scorer. He's a very good player um, yeah. and he's young. Right. But he does have the big qualifying offer. Um but New Jersey's a team that can handle that. and I think that they have their, their internal caps set right now anyway with Jack Hughes. So it'll be interesting to see if he pushes beyond that, but I think they'll probably sit down with him and it'll take a little bit less than than Jack Hughes. That's my prediction.
0: Yeah, and I mean if they have any amount of success in the playoffs, like he why wouldn't he want to? you know? I think yeah. everyone, everyone would agree that the Devils have arrived sooner than expected so they're playing with house money a little bit so why not go get the top fish on the market you know
1: and the swiss connection too there's three swiss players there now i believe um obviously his year and then who's the other one there's one on defense but there's three swiss players in uh new jersey now so
0: right there you go yeah um so new jersey shoots their shot makes the big move and then an hour and a bit later tampa bay Blows up the internet by giving six pieces to Nashville for Tanner Jeannot, who I understand is a heavy playoff type player who had an almost Calder finalist type year last year. He's under team control. He's qualifying offers like less than a mil. Yeah. But they did give up a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and Cal Foot, who was a first round pick a number of years ago and, and hasn't been able to really crack it in Tampa Bay. Um, yeah
1: the only like the only thing i'll say about tampa is every time they every year they do this and people are like why are they doing this and then it it ends up that the move's pretty smart for them (laughs) um he totally fits the category like the style not style but like um the attributes of players that they go after and that he's young he's he will be cost controlled like he'll be he's an rfa i believe um and also tampa's picks are not not weighted as they normally would be like a first for them is basically a second but that being said all those picks are way in the future too i believe i think the first was in like 25 or something so who knows maybe tampa falls apart but even if they do fall apart (laughs) they have so many pieces on their roster that they could sell and get prospects and picks back. So, for me, because it's Tampa, I don't mind it, but I think the price is out. Like, don't bl- believe me, I think that price is insane. And I definitely give the win to Nashville. <laughs> but if it works out for Tampa, I won't be surprised. That's yeah. All. I mean,
0: the only picks in this draft are the third and the fourth. Okay. But yeah. I agree with you. Uh, win to Nashville for like, I'm sure when they got this offer, they looked at it and went, how can we not? Yeah. You know, but one thing I'll say for Tampa is I looked at their roster, their forwards with Janot in the lineup and their bottom six is like, what a pain that bottom six is going to be for whoever they're playing in the playoffs. (laughs) Toronto. Well, whoever, right. You know, they got, they got um, Ross Colton, they got Nick Paul, they've got Corey Perry, they got Tanner Janot. Like like they're pretty well-rounded, like almost two third lines down there now. Um, Yeah. Deep. and if he starts to perform better than what he's been playing this year, like it's going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, we've had a lot to cover. I'm going to try to speed up a little bit going through sure. the trades now before we get to our end. We, we just finished talking about Tampa Bay getting tenor Juno. You know. Um, moving up the next one was the Leafs had we'd already thought that they made their shot or shot their shot, so to speak, and got Ryan O'Reilly and yeah, Nola from St. Louis. For some high picks, Cal uh, Dubas was pretty upfront in saying he wasn't done. He was not lying. Um, He went and got Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Blackhawks for another first and a second. Yep. Uh, there's a couple other pieces in there, but basically it was adding depth to a team that he needs to be all in on because he will probably lose his job if they don't go past the first round. Um and seeing teams like Tampa fill out their bottom forwards and stuff like that and get critical depth pieces. They probably felt like this was the move to make. So I don't know. They both are under contract for next year as well. Right. Or Jake McCabe has two years left and Sam Lafferty has one more.
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Right. So I don't know. I I can't not give the win to Toronto for this because they have to, like they they had to do everything they did.
1: So the only reason why I give it to Chicago is because literally no one knew who Sam Lafferty was before the season started. and I mean Jake McCabe like, yeah, he was a solid like depth defenseman. but I think for them to raise their trade value to the point where they got a first and a second, I give the win to them only because of that. but I agree yep. I think the pieces are great for for Toronto yeah, yeah
0: um small one because it's connects though will quickly. Laugh about how the Canucks were able to offload Riley Stillman uh, only a few months after getting him from Chicago and not retaining any money, getting him off the books for next year. And they got a prospect by the name of Josh Bloom, who's having a decent <laughs> what, 08 year or QM year.
1: And this is the point, like if you stop in the time period of the trade deadline, right now, if you stopped it, I'd be like, wow, I'm so happy that Canucks, they're acquiring picks, they're acquiring young players. This is great. Never experienced this before. <laughs> it was a good and time.
0: Then, and then the next four days happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, try to quickly go through these. Yep. Uh, Oilers finally offload Jesse Puyu to Carolina for a prospect and no longer have to worry about paying him. He's been slightly above what we would call a bust, I think, in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, I think that honestly, in terms of a fit, I feel like Carolina is a pretty good spot for him just because they seem to acquire a ton of Finnish players. <laughs> and I think like... He's defensively sound, but he doesn't put up points. And it feels like it fits with Carolina to me. Like, he just kind of fits. Um, But Edmonton needed to also get rid of money. So,
0: Yes, Uh, which we will get to. Um, Chronologically, next, Minnesota needed goals. They got Marcus Johansson from Washington for a third. Uh, I think they needed to do more, but whatever. I don't think they were willing to go for it this year. No. Uh, so whatever, it, it, it was a trade. Um, The next one I found really interesting and I liked it for both teams. Um, Toronto traded Rasmus Sandin to Washington and got Boston's first round pick from Washington from the Orlov deal, as well as Eric Gustafson. Yep. Uh, to me, it just looked like uh, Sandin had been given lots of opportunities, especially when Morgan Riley got hurt to yep. kind of step up and show he could be the guy and he never really did. Yep. Um, very inconsistent and not very strong defensively. So um Gustafson seems to come in as like insurance as a power play quarterback for Morgan Riley. If he goes down for whatever reason, they recouped a first round pick, which is gonna be late, but who cares? Yeah, and Washington, I think, made a smart gamble here. Um, since their team is getting older, John Carlson's getting older. Maybe the change of scenery is going to be exactly what Sandine needed, getting out of the spotlight in Toronto a little bit. Um, I know since he's been in Washington, he's been putting up points.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I think for me personally, I give the win to Toronto on this one. Um, Mm -hmm. They had too many defensemen after acquiring McCabe and Chen. And Sandine, as you said, never really panned out to be everything he was meant to be in Toronto um so I think it was smart for them I, I do th- kind of get the feeling that like Kyle Dubas probably wanted to trade that first again for something else and then it didn't work out but yeah. who cares he got a first round pick um it's late but it's I'd say it's tidy
0: totally Yeah. Uh, and it's throwing a bit of a spree here because then they they traded Engvall to the Islanders for a third, which again, why not? Because they were obviously filling up their depth spots with people like Lafferty and Achari, yep. who they felt would help them in the playoffs better than Engvall. Yep. So and I think them.
1: Engvall as another player, like he'd had his opportunity to show what he could do in Toronto and he was never overly physical, even though he's pretty big. And so I think like the fit wasn't there. Basically,
0: yeah, totally. never.
1: Then.
0: Yeah, they've seen Engval in the playoffs for a few years now, and they, they knew what they would have had if they kept him. And
1: yeah, we
0: talked, they, they have to do something different because they need to get over the hump this year. And a third is a
1: pretty good return for a player like Engval, too. I'd say,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the Canucks got in the game, they got a third round pick for Luke Shen. Love it. Wanted Shen to go back to Toronto. It's where he was drafted. If there's any reason I'm going to root on the Leafs this year, it will be purely for Lu Shen. <laughs> um, and like, you know, he's, he's going to be a warrior in the playoffs. He's shown it. He's got a couple cup rings with Tampa in recent years. Yep. Um. I hope he does well.
1: Yeah. I'm happy for Shen. I can't cheer for the Leafs, but I'm happy for Shen. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Next one here, we talked about already very so very quickly, the Oilers made some cap space with are going out. They acquired Matthias Eckholm, who I believe is under contract next year as well. Yes. Uh, for Tyson Barry Reed Schaefer, who is a former first, is that right?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: And then their first round pick this year and a fourth. Um, like we talked about already with Nashville, I think it was a really smart move for them. Um, they got a good haul for Eckholm. Their team was stagnating and i think tyson berry is gonna fit in well on a team that was mostly defensive defensemen, except for yossi yep um eckholm's been good but edmonton's just still a mess
1: yeah i i mean mcdavid 150 points probably like <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to say about
0: edmonton i don't know either it's crazy <laughs> um and the world's worst keep kept secret was Patrick Kane wanted to go yeah. to the Rangers they did <laughs> it the Rangers pulled it off they only had to give up a conditional <laughs> second round pick and a fourth basically to get them yeah uh, so I it happens. I, yeah it, it's what happens when you give them one team um yep. at least they got something and I still think the Rangers are gonna make it to the second round at the very most I don't have any belief in that not only because I hate them, but because...
1: <laughs> I, I actually just... take you one step further. I don't think they make it out of the first round. I think yeah. they've, they've changed their roster too much. And I just yeah. don't think that it works out for teams usually when you do this. Um, So, yeah, unless Shosturkin goes like crazy mode, I, I don't see them winning around.
0: Yeah, I can see that too. I mean, the players, you look at the players they acquired besides Tyler Mott, like they're not... <laughs> They're not big body grinding players, right? Like they're all like finesse. Cool. Like grinding, yeah,
1: right. It's kind so, of like the Leafs like five years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'll give the win to the Rangers because they got the best player, but Leafs Chicago got something for him, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I think it's an absolute win for New York, like only because <laughs> they're getting Patrick Kane, who I really despise but he is like arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest American born player of all time for marketing purposes for the team. I think it's a win just there. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if you look back to like your boys last year with Claude Giroux, like that trade looks a lot better for uh, the flyers now.
0: Yes. And we get to the flyers. Yes. (laughs) Um, Next one was a big one. Everyone knew Gabrikov was going somewhere uh Gavrikov and Corpusalo go from Columbus to the Kings in a shocker where quick went back to Columbus for yep. a conditional first and a third um we'll just discover that like Columbus flipped yeah uh, a quick right away to Vegas uh, I guess out of respect for him wanting to compete in Columbus yep. Sucking, um for like nothing so yeah. uh, a-
1: on uh, Columbus
0: yeah. yeah I mean I they they did it. They got a first and a third for Corpasello and Gavrikov, which is basically amounts to like a first for Gavrikov and a third for Corpusello, which is the rumor was they were asking for a first and a third for just Gavrikov. So uh, I guess they brought down their ask a little bit after they lost their deal with Boston, but yeah, uh, I think it helps LA quite a bit. Like I don't think Corpasello is going to be the answer net, but I think he's a good safety net.
1: Yep, um, and I know that he like in the in the bubble playoffs (laughs) he was the goalie that like stoned the Leafs in the first round yeah but there's some sort of like precedent for him playing well in like a playoff type series um at least this is what I was hearing in the hype for him getting moved before the trade deadline right yeah anyway So,
0: so yeah I don't know we'll see could help LA like I feel like there could be a sneaky pick in the playoffs this year
1: yeah. I think like, um, again, I think Gavrikov for a first is almost a crazy overpayment, <laughs> but for LA, I think he's the type of defenseman they need.
0: Yeah. And so, they're pretty well stacked on defense yeah. now too.
1: And they also uh, didn't have to give up any of their young top prospects. So
0: true. Very true. Uh, small one kind of Lars Eller to the avalanche from the capitals for a second in 2025. Yeah. Uh, makes sense we knew they wanted to upgrade at center they probably wanted a bigger name but I think they felt confident in the fact that like what was it? three of the four guys they paid big to acquire last year and Josh Manson and Arturi Lekkanen and one more they, they kept after they yeah. traded for last year so that plus the west nobody really pushing all the chips in um yeah they I feel like they feel confident enough with what they got. And if Landeskog ever friggin' comes back, they probably have the best chance to come out of the West.
1: Yeah, I I think just based on roster, the only thing I would say is like McCarr has had uh like concussion problems this year. And that's a little bit scary for me um with the team. Yeah. But I I think that roster wise they've got the most talent in the West by far. I'm not sure about their goalies, but as I said, I don't think any of the goalies in the West are particularly <laughs> that strong this year. But.
0: Uh, okay, a couple big trades, then I'm going to start fast forward in real big time. Yeah. Uh, out of nowhere, the Canucks acquire <laughs> and a fourth round pick in this year's draft for the Islanders' first round pick and their own second round pick. So shocking, but if you line it up, and I know you're not supposed to do this, but if you line it up and you do it as the Horvat and heronic yeah. trade, yeah. the Canucks trade Horvat and a second for heronic Bovillier, Ratty and a fourth, which yeah. makes it feel less terrible.
1: Okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't agree, <laughs> but that's because I also don't have much faith in, in Atu-Ratu. And I'm willing to be completely proven wrong on this one, but if you're talking about getting back like the Canucks to me they were doing it all so right they were on the right path and then they just u-turned and honestly like giving up the Islanders first was bad but including that second round pick which will be a top 40 pick cuz it's the Canucks yeah that's the part for me that I just I don't understand and like I will say this Philip Horonic is a very good defenseman He's basically what the Canucks need. But to me, this screams like it's the exact same trade as the JT Miller trade five years ago, where the player's very good and he'll feel like on the Canucks, he'll be a big improvement, but I just don't think it's the right time. But now that this has happened, there's a zero percent chance that they're trading Demco. Like it's zero because yeah. they're not, they're not reach, they're not even retooling. This is the thing that bugs me because. <laughs> Like, if I look at St. Louis, for example, and you have the two young players, you have like, Cairo and, and Thomas, you're retooling around those two players, and you're shipping out all your veterans. The Canucks don't do that. They've never done it. And it, it just drives me up the wall. And again, the problem the problem with the Corvette trade becoming Beauvillier, Kronik, oh. and um, Ratu and a fourth is like, okay... Hironic next year is going to get paid and it's not going to be cheap. Uh, Beauvillier, if they keep him, he's going to get paid, but we'll see. Maybe they trade him. Ratu then has to become the cost-effective player out of those three, because if you're trying to compete with Pedersen and with Hughes and Pedersen is going to get a really big fat paycheck next year, like you have to start accumulating young cost-efficient players, which the Canucks have never done. and. Horvat was a really good chance to kickstart that. And it drives me up the wall that they just, they just moved it.
0: So anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it just makes me circle back to your point, like with Hirona coming in and he's going to need to get paid. Like you're, you're bang on, like they're going to trade Myers, Arizona. They're going to buy out OEL and their, their big mandate from within their organization, but probably from ownership is keep the forward group and rebuild the the defense. And I've
1: like the other thing is right is they're heavily rumored to be in on Gavrikov in the offseason because he's also a Milstein client, and the Canucks might as well just get every single one of his onto their team. Right. So I could see that happening. And then you bring like either maybe Shen comes back, maybe he doesn't, but you have a top four there that's much better than what you've had this year. Yeah. But again, if you just want to briefly I'll briefly talk about the Canucks for two seconds. because for me, <laughs> this whole winning period that they're going on is a total mirage. And I'm only saying it because last year I bought into it. I was like, okay, they're better than what they showed at the beginning of the year. But we knew that they were gonna be better basically when they hired Talkit. We knew it because they're season The schedule's a lot easier. Um, he was gonna employ some sort of system that was probably better than Boudreaux's non-system we knew that, like we knew that we they get the most out of players because that's usually what happens when a coach comes in, and that's all great, but is like, I just I I can't buy into the team, and even with Patterson and Hughes, who I I love both of them, but <laughs> I I don't know I think it's a mirage.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, they really wanted the right hand defenseman. They paid a price. Stevie, why, yeah. man? Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, we'll get to that quickly too. Um, how smart he was to extend Dylan Larkin like right before selling off a couple of his top players.
1: Oh, so smart! <laughs> it I, just drives me crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, real smart. I, I wonder how Larkin felt about that. So um, yeah,
1: again, I'm sure it's painful to some degree, but that team's going to be good. I mean, they have like they have more cider, and like part of the reason why they could move Heronic was because of that. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: So, yeah, on that note, then, like, Dylan Larkin, just before they traded Heronix, signed an eight-year extension at 8.7 per. He's 26. It's going to take him until he's 34. Like, I love that contract. I think he is worth a little bit more than Bo Horvat, and he's a bit younger. Um, So I think that was smart for them to hold on to their franchise center. And, like, they're obviously building around Larkin and cider at this point.
1: Well, I mean, they do have, like, Raymond... And um, am I forgetting someone on forward that they have that's not Lucas Raymond?
0: I don't know. Are you?
1: I don't know. But the thing that like, that's the only thing I would say about the Larkin contract is, I mean, at the end of it, he's not he's not going to be their best player, but that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You, pay, you pay for that. Um, I don't know. I think that like, he's very he's very comparable to both. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Uh and on the re-signing note too, Pasternak got all the money. Um, he yeah. got eight years, 90 11.25 per. I think we all thought he was probably gonna get around eleven. Yeah. Even Boston has their everyone takes less to win thing, but like he's a game breaker, he scores a lot of goals, he's still young. That'll take him as well till he's 34. Yep. Smart for them to lock him up.
1: Yeah, he's um he's definitely <laughs> he's like a top five, top ten player in the league. I don't know where you'd rank him. He's definitely a top five forward. Um in, he
0: my, scores... in, in my in our fantasy pool, he is number two in our league.
1: Yeah. He scores so. basically at will, like goals. There's not that many um out there who can score like him. It makes sense. I mean <laughs> Boston is in some ways so lucky. They're also very smart that they got him because it was like 23rd or 24th overall when they drafted him um and he's just turned into a total total game breaker for them
0: so yeah really good uh okay flying back through the last big trades because there's a couple but we're almost done um ottawa fleeced arizona in getting okay. chitcher uh, they've been talking about how arizona wanted like the equivalent of three first round picks forever for in Ottawa is apparently like one of the top places he wanted to go. Yep. They got for a conditional first, a conditional second, and another second. Um, very smart. Very good move for Ottawa. And also I like it because I think it's going to give me another hot take from the movie of the year correct because I think I said Ottawa is going to trade for Trichoran but the, then still not make the playoffs.
1: I think you're right, actually.
0: Yeah. I think I said that. So uh, we're, we're tracking in that direction.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> he's for a couple more years. They had to trade him and good for Ottawa. He'll fit right in with that young group. I like it. I like it for Ottawa a lot.
1: I think it's smart. And again, like you think about Ottawa's defense, like they've for a long time, it's been Thomas Chabot and then no one else, but now they have like Jay Sanderson coming up. They have checker there. Those three are pretty solid three to build around.
0: Totally. Um the outrage in Pittsburgh when they were rumored <laughs> to be getting JT Miller or Brock Besser, and then they only traded a second-round pick from Mikhail Granlund. Um, good for good for Nashville, you know, trade it, get a high pick and a deep draft. Well, I mean, it'll be like probably in the 50s, but still. Uh, I just, and just off the books at 5 mil for next year as well. I just don't see Granlund helping Pittsburgh all that much.
1: I don't understand this move at all for Pittsburgh. I I don't know how much I believe the JT Miller rumors only again after the Hironic trade. <laughs> um and maybe it was that they're really trying to broker with a third team to get a young forward a young center back for Vancouver as opposed to the first round picks that they would have gotten. But I don't know how much I believe it. Um just because it doesn't seem like they're moving in any sort of direction that I would take the team. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens um Pittsburgh is under a lot of pressure too like they haven't made it out of the first round since before COVID and um I I think that if they miss this year there might be some changes so we'll see but I I, I give the win obviously to Nashville I think getting a second for for Grandland right now is is good very good
0: Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that gets them two seconds with the Nita Rider trade in this deep draft, too. So, yeah. Um, plus their own first, plus Edmonton's first. Like, good for them. Uh, <laughs> doing it right. It's painful. <laughs> um, yeah. The Fire Hextall chance were going on prior to and probably after that trade.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Hextall's a bum. Anyways, Boston <laughs> pulls off another big trade to add a very Boston like player, Detroit yeah. being smart uh rumored for a long time to be looking to move Tyler Bertuzzi move him to Boston for a first and a fourth um next year's next year's first but still it's Um, all good (laughs) yeah that means they've got uh New York Islanders and their own first this year they've got Boston and their own first next year so and you never know
1: with Boston too I know we've said it for years but there has to be at some point where they start going down aging has to exist right
0: Totally. I mean, Bertuzzi UFA at the end of the year, but he might re sign in Boston and that'll help alleviate some of the older players. That's true. Or or falling off or whatever. So I like the move for Boston. It feels like Bertuzzi is a very Boston like player. I like the move better for Detroit because Stevie Wide just obviously has a good grasp on what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I agree
0: um So then, skipping ahead because there's a bunch of just nothing's like I guess you can talk about Max Domi went to Dallas for a second and Kudoban's contract.
1: Yeah, like
0: great Dallas, you got Max Domi. Um, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> um, no one in the West was that impressive, right? And then Pittsburgh being super smart and awesome got Nick benino because you know <laughs> he's that one might
1: up. be more hilarious than the yeah. Flickr one,
0: right? Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> Um, quickly because it's Canuck talk they signed Lazar at the beginning of the year for three years one mil every year and he just produced like I don't know what it was five points or six points yeah. he wasn't the depth guy that they thought he was going to be uh, he was supposed to be like a right-handed centerman to come in and help out he didn't play center very much and even when he did he didn't win many face-offs so flipped him to New Jersey he's off the books for the next two years for a fourth round picked in next year's draft whatever retool sure. if they don't work out, at least move them out for something.
1: I would have been way happier with that trade if the Hironic trade hadn't happened. (laughs) That's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so, I don't know, Pittsburgh again, awesome. Got Kulikov from (laughs) the Ducks for a third and got rid of McGinn's contract. Like I don't know. Good job, Kulikov. Uh, I will say quickly that Jordan Greenway going to Buffalo was surprising that Minnesota was able to get a second and a fifth for him yeah uh, like I've always liked Greenway like it was probably like three four years ago I was like man that kid's huge and he's yeah, yeah, yeah. gonna start to dominate this league and he never did he's had a pretty poor year this year and he just signed like a three-year 10 million dollar deal
1: yeah
0: and he wasn't fitting with Minnesota and somehow they're able to get him off the books for the next two years considering how much cap hell they are in with their buyouts for, for a second and fifth like I was very surprised so yeah, I I,
1: I I do feel like his game matches up well with Buffalo's like style, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he does there. But yeah, like basically buying low on a player, um, but having to pay, <laughs> so not really buying low, but buying him at his lowest point at retail price. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, the final one that I'm going to talk about because there was a bunch of little ones that don't really matter, um, was. <laughs> Anaheim signed Klingberg in the offseason to a one-year deal, and everyone thought he is going to be flipped and they'll probably get a first for him or whatever, and he's just been terrible in Anaheim. They flipped him to Minnesota at the deadline, keeping 50% of his salary, and they basically got Schuster and a fourth for him. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a weak return. I don't know if he's going to help Minnesota, but they at least did something.
1: Yeah, so both times teams have done that, where they've like bought a player for one year at high high salary like taylor hall and then now Klingberg hasn't worked out no um so i wonder if we'll see that much anymore but who knows but klingberg has been a little bit better in minnesota he's gotten me a couple a couple fantasy points since since showing up in mini so maybe maybe he'll be better there
0: there you go um okay well we've circled all the way through everything um it's been a long talk but it's been a good talk i don't know do you have any other ending final po- points notes we've ripped on the canucks well enough i think
1: <laughs> do you want to quickly touch on the the flyers
0: oh yes okay so there was only one team that their moves of the deadline cost the GM their job and <laughs> it was the flyers um it felt like the Canucks had the worst GM in the league with the Jim Benning for years, and then when he got fired, it was like, "Well, <laughs> Fletcher is the worst GM in the league by far. it has <laughs> been terrible for the Flyers." And there's a lot of rumors that like he's being told what to do by the sure. Bobby Clark and the Paul Holmgrens yeah. and whatever. But now that he's been fired, it makes you think maybe it it wasn't so much them and it was him trying to make these moves. Yeah, but when like the biggest fish on deadline day because of all the moves was James Van Riemsdijk and you couldn't do sure. anything Yeah, like you can sell anything your team's terrible you're like the coach is putting out things about how they have to rebuild and you can't sell off anybody you can't do anything it like was it very
1: was- very similar to Jim Benning's like we ran out of time
0: yeah it That's was very
1: yeah
0: really embarrassing so um good good he's gone like I don't know it's been tough the last few years even when Hextall was the GM it was starting to become tough because he was at that time he kind of had a core that looked like they could contend but he was too hesitant to move picks and prospects to bolster that yeah and it cost the job and then Fletcher came in and was like I'm gonna trade all the picks and prospects because we're gonna win and he made just terrible moves yeah the team is awful um so with the way they did Claude Giroux last year where he was willing to trade to Florida and then come back in in order to help the team get some picks and prospects yep. and then come back in the summer and they said no we're moving in another direction was very difficult for me like he's been my favorite player for yep. 15 years and so this year I've definitely paid very little attention to the Flyers and been Thanks one of the senators and you know i've got my drew ottawa jersey now like i've been rooting on ottawa a lot more yeah Uh, it's gonna take a lot it's gonna take a lot to get back into that flyers thing yeah Um, i think briere could be good you know they say he's a smart guy i don't know drury's doing okay in new york but it's still early for him
1: he's saying the rebuild word in philadelphia which is you know something that is nice to hear yeah (laughs) um that's all I can say and he I think he's probably gonna he'll probably do well but yep. who knows
0: yeah if I were them I would be rebuilding around connect yep not moving yeah, yeah. and that and that's about it yeah but I mean if you got an offer that blew the doors off because he's on such a good contract yeah you'd have to consider it but yeah um <laughs> butcher out Breer in yeah yeah sounds good yeah okay well this has been one lengthy catch-up on the old hockey talk on the rock but it was our centennial episode so why not do it yeah so that's Laura I'm Keith thanks for listening and we'll be back sometime in the future maybe around playoff time I don't know
1: (laughs) Woo.